Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The police force in this country are in such a bad way that they don't even call themselves a force anymore. They haven't got enough officers, they haven't got enough police stations, they haven't got enough money and they haven't got enough custody suites. However, they thought it'd be a great idea to rent out a police lockup to Halloween revellers. And just to add insult to injury, it was advertised as a spend the night in Fred West's cell for 75 quid. What on earth is going on? What a stupid idea and what a ridiculous waste of everybody's time. 0344 499 it's the big one for Jeremy Corbyn today. The leader of the Labour Party is limbering up for his speech to conference in Liverpool in which he's not going to apologise for anti-Semitism in the party or express regret for working on press TV for Iran. What he will do is promise to put solar panels on every roof in the land and create 400,000 green jobs in the UK. I'm looking forward to finding out where all the money's coming from. 0344 499 Plus, we're on Whale Watch with Alex Dibble, uh, who's down in the Thames estuary. Uh, the whale has been spotted this morning, so uh, Alex is going to be tracking it and letting us know precisely where it is. I quite like the idea of calling it Jeremy uh, because it doesn't seem to know quite which way to go. Plus, we're talking to Killing Eve director Harry Bradbury a little bit later on as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, anyone would think it was the silly season, Daisy. A very good morning to you, because we're all getting a bit obsessed with the whale. I can't, be- I can't believe it's got nothing to do with the fact that we're all a bit conferenced out. I think it would well, be quite it- nice to train a camera on something else for a while. Well, for us sort of political nerds, conference season is the silly season. <laughs> this is a sort of silly, exhausting, exasperating, yes. frustrating season. So I think anything that gives us a bit of mm. light relief. Yes. As long as he doesn't die, though. Remember that one in twenty? Uh, was it two thousand and six when yes. the whale came? And there was that, that one m- came all the way up into central London. Came didn't all it? the way up, and there was that massive rescue attempt and actually it was really heartbreaking when he died so I've got this you know, slight memories of that. Yes. Keeping my fingers crossed. Well, you're such a pessimist, aren't you? I mean, no, only you I... would bring up death into a story which is meant to be giving us all a bit of a <laughs> bit of respite from Jeremy Corbyn and, the, and pessim- the mad lefty brigade. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a bit soppy. I think <laughs> it's true. Yes, you are. There's no doubt about that. But uh, let's kick things off, not politically, uh, and with nothing to do with Jeremy Corbyn or the whale. We will hear from Alex Dibble when he spots it, of course, because it is somewhere down near Gravesend at the moment. I want to talk about this ridiculous story. It's on the front pages yeah. this morning about Fred West. Now, Fred. Fred West, one of the most horrendous serial killers uh, that ever walked the earth, a man who still lives in the annals of, of sort of, you know, one of some of the blackest crimes ever yeah. committed in this country, killing young girls, burying them under the patio in various homes that he lived in over a period of years. Rose West, of course, thought to be one of the most evil women in the entire world. He ended up killing himself in prison. Um, but at one point, when he was arrested very early on in his criminal career, he spent some time in, in some cells in, in Birmingham. So the, the, the police have turned that into something of a museum now. Um, but because of a sort of complicated charitable en- escapade, they've decided they would be a good idea to rent these places out, 75 quid, for Halloween, uh, spend the night in Fred West's cell. And of course, everybody's pretty upset about it. Uh, this story has so many different elements, all of which are quite you know, depressing in the broader sense of the word, because, you know, of course, Fred West died more than 20 years ago. So I think yeah. a lot of people just think of him now as a sort of bogeyman in the, you know, like a lot of serial killers, they get this celebrity status yeah. and you actually forget that the horrendous crimes that they oh, do. Oh, you know, I just people, remember the trial being absolutely horrific. Yeah, horrific. And you, you just know that people will be dressed, we're talking about Halloween. Yeah. Or, you know, people will be going to Halloween parties dressed up as these serial killers. Yeah. And you sort of think, 
I can see why that happens mm. with the evolution and with time and forgetting and these yeah. people coming sort of... Stuff. But it's really important not yeah, but, to forget. Well, I mean, it's one thing for that to happen. And as you said, and I've said many a time, I mean, if you want to have a Halloween party and people turn up in, in items of clothing which would be in poor taste, that's one thing. But the police actually taking part yeah. in something like this and allowing it to happen in their name is a nonsense, isn't it? No, it, it is a total nonsense. But all I'm saying is I know how these things happen, that you sort of lose sight of the reality of what mm. you're doing. And this was some, you know, challenge charitable thing and they were selling tickets and you can just see some you know, probable you know, pipsqueak event organisers saying well, this is a good idea this is a good wheeze and nobody having the sense to take a step back yes. and say no it's really not it's well, as really we often not say a good idea on this show you know at what point in that meeting did somebody not yeah. did it not cross somebody's mind that this might not be the greatest idea they'd ever had exactly and you know, I am a big fan of the police but it's difficult at the moment to keep defending them when there are so many silly season type stories like yeah. you know this course they were the other week they're sending police officers uh, to learn about banter and what's policy, oh, yeah. and then we had the whiter than white case where a police yes. man, I think it was a man, had, used, Yard, had yeah. used the phrase and suddenly was being. Well, we have York, South Yorkshire police as well asking people to ring them if they suspect that somebody might have said something wrong, even if it wasn't a crime. Yeah, and of course, every time you, know, you and I or anyone else discuss these police stories, it, we, all we ever get is, oh, it's cuts, it's cuts, it's yeah. cuts. Everything comes down to cuts. Well, yeah. it's not common sense. No, it's not. Doesn't go out the window when you were cut or when you know you have exactly. fewer police officers on no. the ground. Exactly, and by the way, since they've got these lockups and they're always complaining about that, the fact that they haven't got enough custody suites and they've got enough places to put people when yeah. they need to arrest them, why don't they use these old places? And don't let me let. And I'm sure they would say, "Oh, well, they're not fit for purpose anymore because they don't fit the, you know, the standard that we would like to have." Well, forget that. You know, if you're going to lock up a few drunks for the night, use this place. That's what I would say. But also, you know, on the adverts for the, you know, for the the prize that people could bid or you know buy for, where you could spend a night in one of these cells, you know, they sounded yes, they sounded small, but they gave quite a big description of them. And said that they had toilets and yeah. all the rest of it. Like, they're not that bad. No, exactly. I don't <laughs> think there's a problem. Let's talk to Harry Fletcher, who's the founder of the Victims' Rights Campaign, uh, who I would imagine is not too impressed by this. Harry, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I saw this story yesterday and I was convinced it was a joke. Yeah. You thought it was April Fool. Yeah, you kind of thought, have I slept for the last six months and mm. it's now the 1st of April? But it does appear to be true mm. and I agree with everything you and Daisy have been saying, but. Uh, there will be scores of family members of the people who were murdered still around. Yeah. And they are going to be absolutely mortified by this suggestion. It's in such appalling bad taste. Mm. And I, I, I agree with you as well. I'm not sure what's going on with the police. I was a regular visitor and speaker at the Police Federation for years, and I'm still in contact with uh, the Fed. And I'm sure they'll be horrified too. I remember it exactly a year ago coming on, I think it was Avon Police had got mm. this wheeze where officers were being advised to paint their nails blue, I think it was. Yeah. And the idea was it was in sympathy with the anti-modern slavery campaign. Oh, yeah. And I was at a total loss to see the connection. Mm. Well, it's a bizarre thing, off, isn't it? It is. It, it's it's bonkers, really, and in, in an appalling bad taste. There are lots of things that the police do to raise money for charity, which are are brilliant, 
but this one is... Yeah, but Harry, with respect, the, the police force, which is no longer even called the police force, it's now called the police service, is not here on this earth to raise money for charity. I mean, if individual police officers want to do it, then it's all fine and good. But I'm sorry, as far as I'm concerned, the police force in this country, which I'm going to still call them, is here to protect the citizens of this country and to arrest the bad guys. I don't want them doing work, works for charity. I don't want them running charity balls. I don't want them doing anything other than just the job that they're supposed to be doing. Well, all those traditional police benevolent fund and what have you were all done by officers in their own time when they were off shift, mm. which is perfectly OK. But I agree with you, it shouldn't be done whilst they're supposed to be uh, catching criminals. And we, we did a story on talk not, long, lo- not that long ago, a week ago, that the clear-up rate for burglaries was now 3%. Mm. The clear-up rate for robberies was now 4%. And you've constantly on the radio talked about knife crime and i was astonished to see that only 10 percent of knifings are cleared up that's where the priority should be and you're right somebody probably thought it was a way of <coughs> raising money for some charity i don't know which one it was by sleeping in this cell yeah but it's seen extraordinary well, funnily enough bizarrely it's another anti-slavery charity so i don't know what the uh, what the it hell's is. going on with the anti-slavery uh, brigade but they seem to be very active Oh, I didn't know that. So, again, there's absolutely no connection no. between stopping modern slavery, which must be stopped, and sleeping in a cell that a mass murderer, yeah. a modern mass murderer, once occupied. Yeah. And there will be loads of mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters of those who are now deceased who will be absolutely horrified at this. Yes. Harry, with, with, with your um, you know, victim, um, you know, all the campaigning you've done on behalf of victims, with that hat on, and you know, given what I was saying, that given that you know, Fred West died 20 years ago, is there that danger that these very famous serial killers get turned into this sort of you know, pantomime celebrity figures and that we lose perspective on how awful they really, they really were? Yes, Daisy, I think you're right. I think it's probably people who weren't around at the time this horrible story happened who maybe attempted to dress up as Fred and Rose. Of course, Rose West is still around. She's still in the female estate uh, somewhere up north. So, yes, I think that it's people who haven't got the history who are belittling uh, what they did, and it has a terrible impact on victims then and victims now. What, what, What is the impact? It will, the, the, the people who were affected at the time, who are still alive, will be absolutely horrified, mortified, extremely upset. And other victims will think, what the hell are the police doing? This is an insult to, to us. Well, that's just, this is the thing. I mean, we've all known, uh, those of us who have been in the journalism trade, that there's been a black museum at Scotland Yard, as I used to call it, uh, which I think they've now opened to the public. It was all the kinds of, you know, memorabilia that they collected over the years of various crimes and uh, various pieces of, of evidence that had been very important in, in different cases. And, you know, there is a kind of a macabre interest in, in some of that stuff. But, but, you know, as I've said before, it's not for the police, really, to be doing that. I mean, let somebody else do it, but not the police. No, it certainly is not a role uh, for the uh, for the police force to uh, make money, uh, albeit for a charity, out of exploiting the crimes of somebody who was a terrible mass murderer and who is still really recent. It's only 20 years ago. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm, there may even be, much to, uh, to everybody's horror, there may even be people who were almost victims of Fred West's, but who somehow managed to get away or somehow he didn't get around to killing, you know, because it was a, there was a big number of people involved. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You're absolutely right. There are bound to be uh, 
probably a significant number of near misses of mm. young women who were vulnerable, homeless, yeah. who were preyed upon by this couple, but who managed to get away. And they're going to be thinking, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Well, listen, Harry, thank you very much for your common sense. It's always nice to meet somebody like yourself who's actually got some in this day and age because there doesn't seem to be much of it around. Thank you, too. Thank yeah. you very much. Harry Fletcher, founder of Victims' Rights Campaigns. I want to hear from you on this, 0344 499 1000. Look, I'm all for a Halloween glee and Halloween sort of parties and all of that, but this is a ridiculous situation when the police force of the West Midlands is actually advertising and allowing its cells to be used by people who are using Fred West's name as a former inmate. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Well, you just worry about where's the common sense? Where is when, the where's, common as you said, Where was the person in the meeting and, coughing up yeah. and saying, that's not such a good idea? No, of course. And also your friend's story that yeah. you read out there to Harry about the idea that he gets robbed uh, with menaces, burgled by a gang of yeah, people who are beating down uh, his French doors at the back end of the house. He then gets in some altercation with the police. Don't even bother coming. We want to hear your police stories as well, please. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number. We've got loads more calls to take. We've got lots more to talk about as well, uh, because of course, uh, lots of people are responding to those pictures, horrible pictures, uh, uh, very off-putting uh, your breakfast pictures of your hotel. <laughs> yeah. And lots of people are saying you get what you pay for, uh, says Claudia. But of course, you were put up there by somebody, I which was, will explain uh, will in the fullness explain of time. Later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Linda says, "Ew, that's grim." I've said in some grot holes in my time, but nothing quite that bad. Uh, Francis says, "Nothing would have made me get in that bath or that bed." Uh, and uh, day. Uh, Sorry, not Daisy. Um, it's uh, Hobbits in my garden. There's a Novichok flea pit in East London. Yeah. It does look a bit like that. Well, I didn't stay. I walked straight out and went and stayed on a travel lodge on a dual carriageway outside a Shell petrol station, which was, which was 100 times better. <laughs> yeah. Now, Alex Dibble uh, may have stayed in some horrible hotels in his time. Right now, though, he's down in Gravesend tracking uh, Jeremy the Whale. I'm calling it Jeremy, Alex, because uh, I don't think he knows where he's going. That's very droll, Mike. Very droll. Tying it in wonderfully to <laughs> yeah, the political I'll do, coverage I'll do on the Talk Radio Dibble. this week. You just carry on with the reporting. <laughs> um, so I'm standing on the banks of the River Thames in the estuary. Uh, I'm on the Kent side, as you can see Essex over there. And about an hour ago, everyone got very excited because there were rumours that there had been a sighting of, or, of Mr. or Mrs. Beluga. And um, we all rushed down to see if you know we could see it. And we've been standing here again for another half an hour. And none of us have seen it again. So we've no idea whether this sighting was, was genuine or whether it was another sort of animal. Um, but I'm here, Mike, with uh, Claire Dew from the RSPCA. Okay. And Claire, we spoke an hour ago. We, we were saying it's definitely gone. It's definitely gone. And now everyone's not sure. That's right. We were very excited that it had definitely gone. And then uh, there was a small video showing what could possibly be some kind of water mammal in the water. Um, we have not managed to confirm whether that is or is not the beluga whale. It's a tiny video. It shows the animal possibly in shade, so therefore it's dark. Um, but we've seen actually nothing since we've been here, so I would still be quite confident that it's gone. And Mike, above us, you can you might be able to just hear the sound of a helicopter. I can hear That's that, because yeah. The, 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 yeah, the TV crew has got very excited and sent their helicopters from yesterday back to see okay. if they can get an aerial shot. And at is, the it moment, not, is it not possible to do some kind of infrared uh, search, you know, the way they do in the movies, where you can see whether there's something with a, with a pulse or with a heartbeat somewhere beneath the surface? There would be no need to do that. We don't believe that the animal is sick or injured or needs rescuing at the moment. It was behaving quite normally yesterday. We don't need to find it. It's 
doing what it would normally do. It's just where it's doing it is unusual. Claire, can I ask you though? Because I was hearing this morning that you know it, it's probably quite distressed being away from its pack and and away from its natural habitat and heading towards fresh water and I was, and sort of not and the advice was don't go out in boats trying to find it or try to alarm it even further but wouldn't the helicopter couldn't the helicopter possibly be uh, sort of adding to its distress yes the helicopter is adding to its distress and we have asked for the helicopter not to hover over the river quite right uh-huh. how's that right. going Yes, the helicopter's still hovering They're over the river. They're still hovering over the river, yeah. I think you should, should like get, start to get a bit more aggressive with them and just tell them to back off is or else the, you charge them with something. Presumably it's the helicopter that the broadcasters share between them because uh, I know that ITM, BBC and Sky... Is that the same one that they use for Cliff Richard's that's, house? That's correct, but the BBC didn't tell ITN it was using yeah. it that day, so it was a big helicopter war. So yeah, so I guess now we'll start saying the helicopter's distressing and they'll all say, not us, it's the, that, this is the Sky the, the turn today. Crowd, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I take your point, Claire, well, that you don't want to uh, you don't feel the need to, to find where the whale is but if it is uh, if it hasn't disappeared surely it'd be better to know where it is than, than not wouldn't it well not necessarily I mean it, it will show itself to us if it's in signs of distress or it's becoming sick then it will come to the surface much more often than it obviously is all the time that it's not and it's appears to be feeding normally and carrying out its normal behaviour we're having no concerns Ah. about actually locating it at the moment so no news is good news as far as you're concerned absolutely no news is good news unfortunately an animal as large as that if it does become poorly will become very obvious very quickly what's the um what's the situation with the water in terms of its uh, salt content because i know that the estuary is quite salty because uh, even where i live which is up yeah. near rotherhide you can smell a kind of sea like it, it then substance. becomes fresh water doesn't it it does yeah i mean how, how does that affect the whale the fresh water aspect That's something I'm not entirely au fait with, but it would explain why the whale is not moving possibly further up the river, because right down here, obviously, at the estuary, it's getting a good mix of both at the moment. Right. You know, they are very intelligent creatures. It will be aware of the water that it's swimming in. It will be aware of the depth of water and, you know, the width of the water that it's in in relation to its own size and weight. Mm. And how long do you reckon um, you can stay there looking for it? Uh, And if it doesn't show, can you conclude that it's gone? The RSPCA won't stand and wait for it to reappear. We will wait and see if there are other sightings and if we'll check on those sightings to make sure the animal's not in distress. But there won't be an officer standing on the riverbank, unfortunately, even in this lovely weather, just mm. checking, waiting for it to pop up again. Absolutely right. OK, Alex, thanks very much indeed. Uh, there are people on the opposite side, of course, of the estuary as well. Uh, and I think uh, Sky News are among them looking for uh, uh, looking for any signs of, of Jeremy the whale. But so far, nothing. I'm not sure if that thing that they saw earlier is, in fact, Jeremy. And I was watching Sky at the time when they said he was appearing and it, you couldn't really tell. It could have been a seal. It didn't look that big, yeah. whatever it was. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve 
natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hotel California. Such a This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. 0344 is the number. We're still looking for your worst hotel stories. Uh, terrible places you might have stayed. Terrible things that might have happened. Uh, try and keep it clean, of course, as best you can. Harry Bradbeer uh, is going to be here very shortly. Uh, he's, of course, the BAFTA award-winning director uh, of Killing Eve, the latest and greatest new TV show that everybody is watching. Uh, first, though, we're going to head back down to the Thames Estuary very quickly uh, because uh, Mr Dibble uh, is on the case watching The Whale. Have you seen it, Alex? I have, Mike. This is very, very wow. exciting. <laughs> wow. I can see. In fact, I'm looking out right now at, at a big barge. This is virtually the same spot that it was yesterday. Uh-huh. And um, and Mr. Beluga is, or, or Mrs. Beluga, as we know, um, is, is out and about. And uh, the whale appears to be feeding. And every so often, he comes up and we see the sort of smooth sleek white back Mm. and it sort of curves up out of the blue water and it goes back in again and suddenly everybody from thinking that it disappeared today and it had gone out in back into the sea everyone's here and excited and the photographers have got their lenses out and uh, suddenly i'm looking there it is i've just seen it come up again wow it's a big beluga whale what's it (laughs) what's it feeding on alex you know um no (laughs) it's uh although the rspca um woman that we heard earlier Claire Dew uh, she was saying that um, it feeds a lot on things like crabs and and other things like that and that because there is a decent amount of food in the Thames estuary mm. and there aren't many other as we know because this hardly ever happens this is why we're here talking about it and there aren't many other big predators that come along so this beluga whale has a, an entire feast all to itself um, but she looks like uh, it, the, the whale looks like it's feeding. There is a boat that's uh, just in front of me. It's actually blocking my view now, which is slightly inconvenient. Um, but uh, but but uh, I can I can see it now. Okay, great, Alex. Thanks very much indeed. We'll come back to you because we've got some other important matters to get along with. Uh, but I'm sure Harry Bradbeer, uh, who is a man who knows a bit of a thing or two about creativity and the odd, you know, great sort of pictorial experience, big will, cinematic will, moments, will love to uh, <laughs> will love to know about the the whale. Harry, very good morning to you. Good morning to you. Sorry to keep you waiting there. It was a sort of a you know fairly historic moment, breaking beluga moment, beluga beluga <laughs> yeah, whale well. in the in the Thames. <laughs> I'll be joining him later. Yes, well, very good. There won't be any food left, presumably, by the time he's finished with it, but there we are. Let's talk about Killing Eve. I mean, this show really has taken the world by storm. We've just had all the excitement and the kind of hype, if you like, about The Bodyguard, which I was not a fan of, I have to say. Uh, So much so that for some bizarre reason, the production company blocked me on Twitter. I don't know why they've done that. But but tell us about Killing Eve and and why uh, uh, it's been such a success. Well, I mean, it's hard to know why these things are so uh, popular. I mean, 
uh, it's about a board uh, MI5 operative played by Sandro, who's um, tired in her desk job, looking after visiting politicians, and uh, she hears of some strange murders going on around Europe and starts to develop her own theories on the matter. And she starts to think it's probably this female assassin that no one else has spotted. And uh, she uh, gets hired by the head of MI6, played by Fiona Shaw, the amazing Fiona Shaw, who gives her the job of um, tracking her down. So it becomes a cat-and-mouse chase between these two women. And it's, uh, it's different. I mean, it's funny. There's the, there is, there's the genre of the spy thriller, but there's also comedy because it's written by the amazing Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who wrote Fleabag. And a kind of irreverent, proto-feminist, crazy, kind of very particular and individual point of view brought to a classic genre thriller. And, um, and I think people were surprised at how much they laughed as well as how much it scared them. It, it, it was the script, Harry, that, that first draw, drew, drew me in. And I've been banging on about Killing Eve to, um, to Mike for, for, for days and days now, saying you've got to, you know, once you start, it's like a Pringles packet. Once you start watching, you cannot stop watching it. And one of the things that drew me in is the script because they all, all the characters say things that strike me as completely believable, the way that mm. they speak and then and being very funny, but not not like jokes, just funny mannerisms or, or funny um, things. And I found it so much, even though it's it, it's completely outlandish, it's so much more believable than the bodyguard is. The the script, you know, the story is is just as mad. But for some reason, I believe in the characters and I believe in in the script much more than in other shows. How how do you do that? Well, I mean, I would say I love the bodyguard too, and I've worked a lot with their production company and uh, love them as friends and colleagues but um i think i think maybe you could ask him to unblock me (laughs) (laughs) i will i'll tell them i'll tell them i'll tell them but i mean you know you're absolutely right daisy you put your finger on it when you say it's believable dialogue it's not written it comes straight out of phoebe's fingers and head and and she writes as an actor she writes for other actors other characters and she writes from the inside out the phrase we like to use a lot, where you don't think, well, what's the crazy thing for this person to do? What is the natural thing? You know, there's Fiona Shaw playing this MI6 operative, about to send this very inexperienced woman on a dangerous mission. And they're in a supermarket, and she tells her to buy some lamb chops because and, they're going to, you know... And I love, strength. I, I love the scene also where... Um, uh, the Air Five Optive goes to her house and in, um, and they're in the middle of having dinner and Fiona Shaw says to her son, "Say, you know, they, they have to rush off on a, you know, to, on a life-saving mission and she says, save me yeah. some pudding. And it doesn't sound ridiculous. Yeah. It sounds totally plausible and it makes you laugh. Yeah, yeah. I think that's two, why Homeland was so successful. Well. But I mean, that's, the other, I was going to say, I think that's why Homeland was, was so successful because he's, as, as crazy as the protagonist in that Carrie was, you know, she had kind of real life problems as well that she couldn't quite always handle. And, that you know, even though yeah. you'd be going, well, that's ridiculous. You can't leave your child and go off and do some kind of mad mission. But yeah. you kind of could believe in her character that she would do that. Good. Yeah. yeah. And, and Harry, I know that unusually that uh, this it's be already been shown in the States and it's been nominated for two Emmys over there. And then it was mm. shown here. And again, although it did have its launch, the Saturday night BBC launch, the BBC took the unusual step to make the, make the whole series available on that night so that the people like me could binge watch it. Was that something? Did you know they were going to treat it in that way? Um, actually, no, I didn't. I'm not surprised. 
I mean, binge watching an, an online catch up is now respected as a, a way of judging ratings. And does it make any um, difference to the creative process if you know that? I mean, obviously, you said you didn't know, but mm. if you know that that's possibly the way it's going to be consumed, does that make any mm. difference? Because because we do watch TV in such a different way now. Mm. Well, you know, do we? In a funny sort of way, we yeah, we watch them. Because we can watch things one after the other, if we love them, then we carry on watching it. Um, I mean, a show that was almost made for binging was something like Breaking Bad that mm. used to not have any time, um, occasionally no time cuts whatsoever between one episode and the next. So you went from someone asking a question to, in the next episode, that question being answered. Yeah. Um, and that's something that will happen more and more, I think, if people decide that these things are going to be, one in, going to be shot in one block. Um, because a lot of people said that about The Bodyguard, that one of the things that it had achieved was not only the great ratings that it got, but also the fact mm. that people were beginning again to sit down on a Sunday night and watch something, which they hadn't really done possibly since Downton Abbey. And I wonder whether... Because I found that quite awkward. I mean, I did watch The Bodyguard all the way through, but one of the things yeah. that I suddenly found myself not doing was stopping it in the middle and going up to get myself another glass of wine or, you know, whatever it is that you normally <laughs> Letting do. Letting the side down. Sorry, you know, so I had to bring the bottle into the room with me, obviously. But the thing is, you know, um, you know, I'm used to taking little breaks here and there yeah. uh, or to go and, you know, sort the cooking or something, you know, whereas suddenly I found myself, oh, you have to sit down and actually watch the whole thing, which is actually quite hard to do when you've forgotten how to do it. Well, you do. It's a mark of good writing. I mean, one's written by Jim Mercurio, and his ability to subvert your expectations yeah. is, um, yeah, I mean, it's really almost second to none at the moment. You know, he's the opening episode for Line of Duty, Bodyguard. You were on the edge of the seat because he knows how to uh, manipulate you, knows how to lead you to a certain conclusion mm. and then to twist it. Um, and that is addictive. If you don't know what's happening, I think it was one great director said, um, wish it was me, he said, uh, you, the audience are more interested in what they think is about to happen than what you have just told them. Yeah. You've got, it's just all about suspense. It's very much um, the way I do my radio show, Harry. I try and surprise people yeah. every day, just when they think I you're going to say something, you say something else. Including your co-workers. Indeed. <laughs> not not uh, just your... And Harry, I know that the, the second, I think you're working on Fleabag at the moment, which is your yeah. other project that you've done very successfully with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But there, there is going to be another series of Killing Eve. But, but yes. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is not writing that. Is that right? Uh, she is involved as an executive producer, but um, she's making Fleabag too. So it's quite difficult to do two shows at once. Right, but I'm worried that the second series of Killing Eve won't won't be as good as the first one. Can can you reassure me on that? Of course I can. I'm <laughs> sure it'll be brilliant. It'll be absolutely brilliant. You've got these great characters. You've got Jodie, you've got Sandra, Fiona. Um, they've got uh, uh, some really interesting new writers on the job and uh, Phoebe's still involved. And so, because so, I haven't finished watching Killing Eve yet, but if Jodie, who's the main baddie, who I have to say... Is amazing. I didn't recognise her from mm. Doctor Foster until I no. looked. I looked her up, and I for the first few episodes, I thought she was Russian, genuinely. Who who was very good at other accents until I realised yeah. she's a Liverpudlian who's just incredible. Yeah. She's mm. she's had about nine different accents she's put on. So I saw all a great movie the other day called um, The Negotiator with Rosamund Pike in it, right? And you would have sworn that she was American. 
in that. She was fantastic. I don't know if you've seen that, Harry, but it's really good. Um, I was going to ask you about the television versus kind of, um, you know, movie situation now, because I mean, America with, with Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, commissioning massive series and spending bucket loads of money. I mean, is it the same case here in Britain that the talent has all kind of moved into television? Yeah, that's all that's going at the moment. People are piling into telly um, because the long-form format has been so well you know, exploited. People yeah. are developing such long storylines. And uh, it's attracting great actors because of the character development that involves. And, um, and there's plenty of money. And that is, that's how it is at present. So the short-form 90-minute movie is... Uh, yeah, there's there's less of them being made, which is a shame. Um, I think it's a great shame because I I love watching the 90 minute film. I love making the 90 minute film. I'm I'm attached to a Studio Canal movie uh, which we're hoping to shoot next year in Paris, and that is a 90 minute film. And I'm so looking forward to to being able to you know produce that and could structure that beginning, middle, and end in that right. pure form in the same way that we've watched on our tellies and. Uh, after Saturday afternoons at Christmas all our lives, and I hope that's not going to go away. But at the moment, um, certainly the investment is in TV. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, we're out of time, sadly. Harry, uh, congratulations. It's a great, uh, it's a great series. It it's really getting is. an it awful is... lot of um, salutation around the world. It is uh, the best thing on telly at the moment, without go. a doubt. Harry Bradbeer <laughs> there, BAFTA-winning director uh, of Killing Eve. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to the Independent Republic. Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The big story of the hour, of course, is nothing to do with Jeremy Corbyn's speech. He may well be upstage by a beluga whale, which is currently swimming around uh, in the Thames estuary. There's nothing worse than being the leader of a political party, trying to make your mark on the world. But in fact, everybody has to keep swinging away from the conference because somebody spotted a whale in the Thames estuary. Uh, we're going to go live to Alex Dibble, who's down there for Talk Radio, of course, uh, just off the uh, uh, the pier, I think, in um, uh, in Gravesend in Kent. Uh, also, we'll be talking to Ender Brady from Sky. Uh, as Jeremy Corbyn is walking towards conference, flanked by all his apparatchiks, including, of course, Diane Abbott, uh, who's been accusing the BBC of being run by the Tory party recently as well. Uh, Daisy McCandrew is here with me. We're talking about terrible hotels you might have stayed in. Uh, we're also going to talk about crisp packets and why people are sending them back to Gary Lineker and Walkers because they cannot apparently be destroyed uh, in the environment. They are absolutely biohazards, these crisp packets, so you have to be careful uh, that you're not killing the world by eating them. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McCandrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So imagine the scene uh, down at uh, Liverpool where uh, the Labour Party conference yeah. is coming to an end. The climax is building. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn just about to walk out onto the stage to presumably the tune. Do they do the red flag anymore? They or do, do they do it at they, the end? They No, they do normally sing beforehand, but that's not shown. Um, well, at least it, that used to be the case. That's not shown because on the Because Blair did away with singing the red yeah. flag, didn't he? And then yeah. they think they brought it back. But just as he's about to walk onto the stage, they suddenly go... The whales appeared. The whales appeared. So back down to Gravesend. But we were we were talking earlier about preparing for leaders' speeches and what it's like if you're working for the you know, leader's office and you're up all night redrafting the speech, adding jokes in, taking jokes out, you know, making sure he doesn't get too sweaty, making sure yeah. you know, the makeup's perfect and the suit is the right one. I mean, looking at the pictures now of Jeremy Corbyn walking in with his, I mean, they're all they're wearing uniform. They're all wearing. So he's with McDonald and various others. Yeah. Navy blue suits with white shirts and red ties. As if they look like British Airways stewards. I know. Or the uh, England team or something. Yeah, he's or smiling the as well. He's smiling a lot Which more is than unnerving. he really does. He doesn't smile. No. He doesn't think anything's no. funny. 
But so, anyway, listen. So there you are preparing and suddenly you know, they're like, oh my God, we're being pushed off the news yeah. coverage because of the whale. And that's not something you can prepare for. Although if he was, if it was Boris or another very good speaker, they would have a whale joke ready yeah. as they walk out. But I'm well, betting, I'm, I'm I, betting I, I've he already, won't. I've already dubbed the whale Jeremy because he doesn't appear to know which way he's going. Yeah. Uh, he, he makes a move towards Europe and then he comes back. He's confused. And heads back towards Parliament. He's not quite sure who's got uh, the actual sovereignty here. But let's talk to Ender Brady, uh, who's a man who's been down in the Thames estuary on the other side from Alex Dibble, I think on the on the Essex side, and he'll know a thing or two about TV scheduling. Ender, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, good to speak to you both. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you at the moment, this uh, whale is very much in favour of Remain. <laughs> uh, he's not moving anywhere. I've been watching him for several hours. When I turned up, I thought he'd left. Right. Well, um, that's what everybody thought. Right? For a couple of hours, but he's definitely there. He is definitely there. And I mean, have you managed to have a pretty good, clear sighting of him? And can you tell us what you saw? Yeah, so we were here for about three and a half hours, early dawn, really, watching the sun come up. Absolutely nothing. No sign of anything. There were lots of wildlife enthusiasts down here with all sorts of technology and gadgets and what have you trying to find them. And then just before 10, at about a quarter to 10, some guys sprinted past us with like long lens photographers and all the camouflage gear that these fellas wear. And they had a, a phone call from a mate on the other side over Graves Emway, and he had seen it. And their information was bang on because about five minutes later, um, we saw the beluga whale pop up. And he's no more than 300 metres away from where he was yesterday. So this is a whale that is in no hurry to leave English waters. And Ender, Mike and I were joking earlier about how these stories genuinely are big stories for rolling news stations like, like your own because people do love to get involved and to keep an eye, you know, if you're at work, keep an eye on the telly, half an eye on the telly to see where, when the beluga is going to pop up again. But for I'm guessing for you know people like you and myself in the past, you get the call from the news editor saying, right, you're on, you're on whale watch today and your heart sinks and you think, oh, here, here we go again. Um, and the other thing, you know, I'm on a hiding to nothing. But actually, you weren't on a hiding to nothing after your three hours stint then he did appear yeah you know coming down here this morning i was walking along this path thinking you know am i ever going to see this fight you're looking at a huge expanse of water the, the thames estuary and it is literally was literally i thought needle in a haystack yeah. here quite literally huge expanse of water and in my head i was all those shorthand courses that i went to at university <laughs> all the law seminars and i thought well that was time well spent yeah. and, and you're right about the tv scheduling because you know what? People love um, a quirky story, something out of the ordinary. And I still remember the file popping up in 2006. I was actually in Westminster in Millbank the day that happened. And the phone call came through and I'd only recently joined Sky. And I thought, this is someone having a joke at the Irishman's expense. <laughs> yes. There's a whale in the Thames. And it's happened again. Yes. Um, twice in 12 years. But listen, yeah. Ender, nobody's going to have any sympathy for you. You've got a great job. I mean, I remember uh, having those same thoughts about, you know, the journalism training and the university yeah. degrees and everything when my kids would ask me when I worked for the Daily Mirror, what did you do today, Daddy? And I said, I spent most of the day trying to find a, a gorilla suit uh, so that one of our reporters could wear it and follow a politician around for some reason. You know, it's, it's, it's what we do, but it's wonderful. Although, 
Ender, you do you have come into some criticism today because I'm assuming that the the helicopter we could hear earlier when we were talking to um, oh, yes. to Alex was the 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 shared broadcaster's helicopter, but probably sent up uh, by Sky. But the RSPCA was very unhappy about the helicopter because <laughs> she thought that it Claire from the RSPCA uh, told us that it would be adding to the beluga's distress. So you do have to hang your head on that one. Well, hang on, hang on. I'll tell you now, the helicopter is gone and it has been gone for about 45 minutes. It was only up there for 15 minutes because they've got a certain amount of time that they can fly. They can only have a certain amount of minutes per day and they've only got so much fuel. So it wasn't exactly hovering. It was, you know... A bit of a waste of money, though, wasn't it? Because it it, it didn't see the whale. No, I'm with Ender on this one. I don't think you should be having to go in for the helicopter. It's not his fault, is it? No, I mean... The, the the whale is completely safe. It's in deep water. He is healthy. He's swimming strongly. He's feeding. The helicopter was miles away from it. I mean, people need to realise that the zoom lens on these cameras, they could pick that whale up yes. at 1,500 metres to two kilometres. Sure. So, you know, it wasn't exactly hovering above us. No. Now, Andy, you... With you, the best will in the world. You seem to, to to have gleaned a lot of knowledge. Maybe it was because you've, you're an old hand at whale stories, as you were saying. <laughs> but what happened, Mike and I wanted to know earlier, obviously the the Thames is, is salt water up to a point and then it turns into fresh water. And our understanding is that's a, a danger zone for the whale. Is that your understanding? Because it, yeah, it, it shouldn't go into fresh water. Yeah, from what people have been telling us, you know, this whale needs to start moving out towards the sea now. He was swimming towards Gravesend earlier on and and popping up 100 metres every now and then, moving closer towards Gravesend. Now he's come back the other way and he's about 400 metres um, east of where he was and he's heading in the right direction, um, but he's not in any great rush. He just seems to be kind of quite happy, just kind of popping up and going back down again and doing what he does. A lot of people have come down here. So I'm actually talking to you from the banks of the Thames Estuary in East Tilbury. And it's pretty, pretty busy. I mean, a lot of people have specialist equipment. You know, this is... um, you know, in the in the wildlife world, this is like an FA Cup final or yeah. a Champions League final. <laughs> well, indeed. Cup but is anybody oh, making well, any money well, out of well, it? I'm wondering if there's merch, you know, being sold. There <laughs> whale memorabilia. Not Are yet. people selling coffees and teas <laughs> yet? You know, how much of a circus is it? The the cafe over by um, what's it called, Coal House Fort. Lovely lady in there. She's doing a great trade in sausage rolls. I can confirm mm. that much. And coffee. <laughs> um, people, you know, people are coming down, and it, it is such a quirky bizarre, unusual event and people are coming down, but then a lot of these wildlife guys and girls who are seriously into this, they're well prepared. I mean, they look like they they bring their own sandwiches, they've got their own drinks and they look like they're going to be here for the best part of today and tomorrow, judging by the amount of gear they have. Right. And listen, so there's nobody sort of trying to entice, I'm going to sort of keep calling him Jeremy, there's nobody trying to entice Jeremy back out into the English Channel then. No, he, he's he's very much undecided. One minute he's leaving, the next he's remaining. I, I imagine if I interviewed him, he probably wouldn't answer the question. He's yeah. a metaphor for <laughs> our he, times. Does he regret working for Press TV would be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he won't answer that one. Ender, thank you very much indeed. Ender Brady, Sky News uh, reporter on the scene uh, down by Tilbury on the, south, on the south side, I guess, and the north side, rather, of the, um, uh, of the estuary, uh, where we've got uh, Alex Dibble, of course, is on the south side, uh, nearer to Gravesend. Alex, are you there 
I am indeed, Mike, and really, really exciting because in the last few minutes, the uh, the whale, the beluga, has actually come even closer to me than it was before when I was last speaking to you, and I actually just caught a bit of its tail. Well, not physically, but you well, know, I, I managed it, to see some. I don't think you should be looking. I don't think you should get the, put the fishing rod away. I don't think you should be trying to catch it. Well, okay, all right, I'll reel it in, I'll reel it in. But at the moment, oh, there it is again, it's come up, it's over near the third barge now. But, I mean, remarkable. I mean, it was it was all the way over to the other side um, for a large part of yesterday, where Ender currently is, and obviously he has um, those big long lenses that he was saying can reach all the way over for, for miles and miles, so they can get it um, very easily on the camera. But even now, I'm standing to you on the edge of a horse field so I've got horses behind me and a whale in front of me which is not usually what I get to say on a, on a day at work and the whale has just come up again and it is remarkably close and this is a rare privilege for someone like me to get to do this on on um, you know on my day job but it's an incredible animal and uh, especially when its tail just gave a little flick as it as it dived back down truly remarkable stuff and and a huge crowd now is gathered on this side as well but as Ender was saying on that on 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 the Essex side too but on the Kent um, riverbank as well many many people have come down plenty of cameras but also people who just just want to have a bit of fun and, and want to come out and, and see the privilege really Absolutely right. Well, Alex, listen, thank you very much to do because the other Jeremy is about to take to the stage mm-hmm. up in Liverpool. Uh, they've got some kind of choir singing before he comes on. Uh, Jeremy Corwin about to make his uh, sort of Labour leader speech. Uh, some would say perhaps the most important Labour leader speech he's ever made, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would. I would. And certainly the most amount, the most attention that it's uh, that he's had so far. Of course, in the past he got attention, but wasn't taken as seriously as he is now because the Tory Party wasn't in as much of a mess as it is now. Mm. So his role, people never took the idea of him as a prime minister seriously. Yeah. And you know, even you were saying slightly tongue in cheek, but st- but not entirely. They're calling for a general election. We don't think there will be a general election, but if there were we're pretty certain which way the country would vote, which is an extraordinary state of affairs. It really is. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.